0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some
1: major realness.
0: Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! Uh-huh.
2: My parents were very clear that there were two parts of our lives. One was work, and I was made, it was made very clear to me that it was work, and that is a different set of circumstances. And when you came home, though, we were the Rosenbergs. We were home. I was raised with expectations that needed to be met. I was expected to get good grades. I was not turned into a snowflake. I was expected to be polite. I was expected to get good grades. I was expected to be a good person. There were no excuses made. You knew what the rules were.
1: How you doing, Michael Bostick?
0: I'm doing pretty good, even though we got off of a 5 a.m. flight, or at least we've been up since 5 a.m. Texas time flight to come out here to California. Um, I got a lot of energy, though, because I'm mainlining coffee basically right into my veins.
1: How gnarly is it traveling with a baby? Can we just discuss that?
0: Yeah. I mean, listen, everyone's... Here's what it is. There's... The type of parents that says it's hard and just doesn't do it. And then there's the type of parents that says it's hard and just puts themselves through punishment and suffering, which is the type of parents we are. It is not easy. I think people always out. They ask us all the time, like, how do you travel with a baby? How do you do this? We suffer through it. It sucks. It's miserable. It's really difficult. You are those people on the plane when the baby's screaming that everyone's looking at with daggers wanting to kill. But we do it.
1: Here are some tips that I found that work really well. We carry Apple Crunchables by That's It. She loves those. We have a movie already downloaded on Michael's iPad. We have songs on my phone. We have little activities. We bring her bunny, her doll, her Barbie. Everything you can possibly. We bring. go as
0: early as we possibly can, or as late as we possibly can, so that we sh- she can get some sleep. But listen, I don't want to. S- I don't want to tell anybody. Everyone that's listening is like, oh wow, like parents that are listening with young kids, no. Uh, It's not easy. It's not great. We're suffering the whole time. I don't want anyone to listen to this be like, well, they got it figured out. We just gut through it and do it anyway. That's kind of the type of people we are. We're just like, you know it's gonna suck. We're gonna be miserable. It's gonna be tough. We're gonna be tired. We're gonna be exhausted. The kids gonna be miserable, but we just do it anyway. So I don't want people to listen to this be like, wow, they make it look so easy. It's not easy. We just grit our teeth and do it.
1: One of my favorite things about traveling as a parent that before, when a baby would cry on a plane, you'd be like, oh come the fuck on. Are you fucking kidding me? And now that your parents, the parents that are sitting around you just look at you and it's it's like a wink. It's like the nudge, nudge. You're all in on the joke. I don't think anyone has an easy time.
0: There's three types of people. There's the people that have never had children that have no idea what it's like, who we used to be. Weston. And and, well, a lot of people. And they're miserable. And they're like, what the fuck? What are you doing on the plane? And they're staring you down with (laughs) daggers. And they want you to die. And they hate your kid. And they hate you. And they're like, what the fuck? Taylor. Then there's the people that are existing parents. When I say existing, like they have a kid that's anywhere between the ages of... You know, newborn to maybe let's call it ten years old. If your kid's screaming and whining after ten, then you guys, you you know, you got to do something about that kid. Um, but between zero to ten, you know, and those parents are like they empathize with you. They're like, oh my god, like and you're kind of like camaraderie. And then there's the old dogs, the old parents, the ones that have done it before and had the kids and are all grown. They look back and finally, like, and they fondly like, you know, I remember those days. And they kind of like wish they still had them, but they're also really glad that they're not in them anymore and they're just enjoying life because they don't have to deal with the shit anymore those are the three types I've encountered
1: and then it's the grandparents like our parents that's what I'm talking about no 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 but the the grandparents grandparents are a different level because the grandparents are like oh the baby's crying here take her she's all yours now but then they want to see her when she's in a good mood
0: yeah well I was saying I think like maybe the grandparents and like the older parents they fall in that same bucket I'm just talking about the the flying type of people well
1: we got driven today by an Uber who had nine kids so and uh, two sets of twins listen so we can't complain
0: as soon as you think that you have it tough I guarantee you'll find a story where someone has it a lot tougher. I always remember that. I always think that way. And also, same thing with success. As soon as you think you're successful, look around and realize there's someone way more further along the road than you. It's the same thing, you know, both with misery and happiness.
1: Well, this is a really great intro for this show because we are talking to someone's daughter who is iconic. The daughter's iconic, the mother's iconic.
0: They're both iconic.
1: It was a mother daughter duo like no other, and that is Melissa Rivers. She is so major, you guys. She is funny. She's charismatic. She's dynamic. I can see Joan Rivers in her. I mean, it's very, very clear. What I love about Melissa is she's so open. She's so honest. She's refreshing, honestly. Just to give you a little background on her, she is an American actress, a television host. You might recognize her from Fashion Police or Joan and Melissa. Joan knows best. She's also a mother, a daughter. She is incredible. She's an author. She does all the things. And she is funny. You should also know Melissa has a podcast called Group Text Podcast. She kind of does it all. There's one thing for me when I meet a beautiful woman like her, and then they open their mouth and they're funny. I just fall in love. You and me both. Funny is the way to be. And Joan Rivers, I mean, we can all agree that she was the definition of funny and her daughter is the same way. With that, let's welcome Melissa to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show.
0: This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her
1: I Actually, I'm going to say I could not be more excited for this podcast. Like it, the reason I podcast is because of people like you and your mother. Like this, this to me is a real audio guru and uh, visual too. But, but I mean, you just know how to get on a mic.
2: Yes, I do. Yes, <laughs> I do. But can we discuss the fact that I've been following you forever? Forever? You ever? Yes. What? Yes, and I'm I'm always no, and I'm always on your website. I know all about the little new pink face roller. I'm gonna send you one. Yeah, I I know that's what I'm saying. Like I'm a huge fan, and being here is amazing. Like I can't believe. I mean, you and I were in the elevator together, and like I feel like I'm instantly making a friend because you already told me I had to convince you. To move to a different neighborhood. Yeah, you got to move me.
0: Well, we moved to a whole different state, but you, we're state, state schmate. Yeah, state <laughs>
2: schmate. I I need to be like feeling comfortable here too. Yeah.
0: Well, Melissa, if you know honestly, maybe if I would have met you a few months earlier, we could have changed our whole course of life. But we'll we'll, we'll make up for lost we'll time. We'll make here. up for
2: lost time. But literally within two seconds in the elevator, she's like, "Where do you live?" <laughs> it's not creepy or anything. Uh, no, not creepy at all. Like, where do you live? And I know that you have the baby. And you're, Lauren's like, well, I don't know if we're in the right neighborhood no. for our family. No. And I'm not. like, oh, you're not. This is where I raised my son. Da, 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 da. You can walk. You can do this. It's a neighborhood. You've been in L.A. since you were three. I've been in L.A. since I was three and then got shipped back east for college.
1: I love how you say you got shipped. Like, what is that?
2: <laughs> what do you mean you got shipped? Did you get put in a crate? Close. <laughs> okay. Um, I was sent kicking and screaming to the East Coast, to University of Pennsylvania, to Penn. I'm a geek in disguise. We always discuss that. And my my I didn't want who would want to leave. My parents had an amazing beach house when you're a senior in high school. And my parents were remodeling our house in Bel Air and I was living out at the beach house. I mean, seriously, why did you leave? Well, I didn't really have a choice. I was sent. I would. But so who would want to leave? So my parents had given us give us two years. Give us two years alone. Give us, <laughs> no, give us two years. If you hate it after two years, you can transfer. And first semester, senior year, uh, freshman year was great, like. Party on. Second semester, I hit a wall. and like, I want to come home. So I put out all these applications. I got into a bunch of different schools in LA, UCLA, USC. But I couldn't start till second semester. My parents are like, you are not staying home for a whole semester and doing fuck all. I'm like, oh, work. They're like, no, no. So I'm like, okay, I'll go back for one more semester. And I went back and never left. They were right. And by the way, I made the same deal with my son because I really think it's important especially for kids who are raised in LA that they get out of LA for a minute. I know why I think that, but why do you think that? Because we live in an insane city. Yeah. We live in a crate. We live, as my parents used to say, we live in the world's largest company town and everything from what people look like to business to what's important is so sort of hyper accentuated. I don't know if that's a real word, in Los Angeles, like, you need to go out and see what the rest of the country looks like. And you need to go live in it and yeah. understand.
0: There, there's like, we moved to Texas recently and we split time, but like, there's a currency here. You
2: went to Texas just like everybody else. Sure,
0: yeah. But I mean, <laughs> we, we, we also grew up in San Diego, so we weren't like true LA locals. But San
2: Diego's the same. I mean, first of all, we, uh, like my son, he only knows girls that look like ones that run around in bikinis. Yeah. So like, he had this really like, crazy sense of what girls are supposed to look like
0: but you know there's a currency here in la that i don't think exists even in places like san diego which is like there's this kind of like social currency does that make sense yes like, where, totally Where like you're it's a fame level like is, you get what i'm saying but I know, like, it's
1: like, a lily patter so I, have you ever been talking to someone and they're looking over your head to lily pad to you to get over to the next oh person? i don't
2: lily pad i love that no my <laughs> favorite is someone says hi and then immediately just start looking off over and i have a couple friends who are big executives that I went to school with and they, one of them in particular does that. I'm always like, Hey, 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 eyes here. Eyes here, buddy. I think
0: what I like about, we'll just talk about our personal experience, Texas is like that social currency doesn't really exist. Like people are really nice. We are They're in happy. Texas though. We're in Austin right now. Okay.
2: But if you Maybe were in Dallas, in Dallas, sure. Now the
0: Dallas people are going to come after me, but
2: Dallas is fantastic, but it's not Austin. I mean, it's like, it's like San Diego to LA.
0: Sure. But you know what I'm saying? Like there's, a, there's this kind of like weird social thing that's in mm-hmm. LA that I don't think you have in other places. And I think it's good to get outside of it and realize like, oh, like most, a lot of normal people don't give a shit about this kind of thing. Well,
2: it's not that they don't give a shit. You find out that people work and everyone's not writing a screenplay. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everyone is not old, years and years and years ago, there was this really funny t-shirt from CAA, the agency. And on the back of it was a dog sitting in front of a desk talking to an agency. But what I really want to do is direct. And to me, that that's it's, L.A. Yeah. Every you know what I mean? OK, I want to go
1: way, way back to like when you were a baby. OK, I want to know like what it was like growing up as Melissa Rivers. I'm very interested in when you were like two and three and four. There's no social media. Are you in trailers every day? Like for, not when I do when I say trailers, M- I mean like movie work. trailers. Yeah. Well, I
2: my parents, first of all, my The person you saw on screen and on stage was vastly different than who my mother was. Let me preface this with saying, up until the day she died, the phones at her house were answered, Rosenberg residence. And my friends, the ones that didn't sort of shift to calling her Joan, still referred to her as Mrs. R or Mrs. Rosenberg. So my parents were very clear that there were two parts of our lives. One was work. And I was made, it was made very clear to me that it was work and that is a different set of circumstances. And when you came home though, we were the Rosenbergs. We were home. And, you know, I know it's like so not PC. Like I was raised with expectations that needed to be met. I was expected to get good grades. I was not turned into a snowflake, you know, and now I'm gonna get shit for calling kids snowflakes or people snowflakes. I was expected to behave. I was expected to have rules there. I got grounded. I got in trouble. I had things taken away. I was expected to be polite. I was expected to get good grades. I was expected to be a good person. There were no excuses made. You knew what the rules were. And it was very different. You know, out in L.A., my parents were very, very concerned about like which school they sent me to because they didn't want me thrown into this sort of hyper reality Hollywood mix because I had it anyway, so they wanted to make sure when I went to school it was very traditional.
0: Meaning that you had it anyway because their life was so right. public already.
2: Right, but yeah. also not just public, but also I grew up in LA in the in the late seventies and early eighties. It was wild. It was wild, and my mom, my dad used to tell why. Somebody, well, my, it was just a different time. Seventies, the seventies in LA when I was little, little, little was great. My parents used to say they remember going to parties where there would be these giant bowls of Coke out. And, and it was just a different, you know, a lot of parents were very Lucy kind of ex-hippie. You know, it's it's coming out of that whole scenario. My parents were like, uh-uh, that's not who we are. You got to remember, my dad was German and went to school in England. And my mom was raised in New York in a very traditional family. My Both my mom's parents were immigrants. And it was just a different lifestyle. And what they perceived as what successful life looks like is not necessarily what it Match up very well with people with society here.
1: Were you laughing at the dinner table all the time, or was it not like that? Was it just a separate world? Why are you smiling?
0: Because I, <laughs> I was going to talk. I was going to figure out how I went into this, but I just feel good. I don't waste any time, Lauren. I don't waste any days, and that is. Not because I'm so well-behaved all the time. It is because I got a secret weapon, and it is called No Days Wasted. They're DHM Detox. This stuff has me going, and it keeps me on point.
1: I have to tell you, we went down to Cabo, and this saved our ass. It's basically the vitamin for when you drink. It's an herbal supplement, okay? And it's packed with antioxidants. Here's the best part. Anti-inflammatory ingredients, and it's plant-based. So the other day... We were having some pork chops. Other
0: days.
1: (laughs) No, really. We were having some pork chops. Um, And we were also drinking some boozy kombucha. We were having a little hard seltzer. We were having some margaritas. Having
0: a little bit of everything.
1: Having a little bit of everything. It was the 4th
0: of July, people. Give us a break.
1: Yeah. So patio drinks were happening. And what we did was after our first drink, we all, including Weston, took no days wasted. And I'm telling you, it is essential. Okay. Especially if you want to help boost your body's natural response to alcohol, I'm just saying it helps you break down the toxins. You can forget brain fog or that gross feeling that we all hate. Like I said, two capsules after your first couple of drinks and it goes to work. Okay. If you have bachelorette parties, it's summer wedding parties, holidays, whatever. No days wasted is your new best friend. It's a completely risk-free purchase. So if you don't love it, they'll refund you on your first box, but you're going to love it. Okay. Time, personally, for me is my greatest currency. So, why waste days feeling awful after a few drinks? You deserve to have your cake and eat it too, or your margarita. We got you 20% off your order and free shipping in the US. You're going to head over to nodayswasted.co slash skinny and use promo code skinny at checkout. That's nodayswasted.co slash skinny for 20% off your order.
2: Cheers. I mean, my parents were both funny. My mom was really funny, obviously. My dad was very dry. Very funny. I have much more of my dad's sense of humor than my mom's. My mom's offstage sense of humor was incredibly sophomoric. What does that mean? Silly. Okay. Silly. Sophomoric meaning silly. Loved a good practical joke. Loved. to the, to the end, she used to do these elaborate practical jokes that sometimes worked and sometimes didn't. And her bigger, biggest disappointment was always when she would do it to one of her friends that they would ignore it. And it would make her crazy, crazy. You know, my mom and, you know, my perfect example. So my mom's best friend is this woman, was this woman named Margie Stern. And Margie had hip surgery and they were out and they went to theater and Margie was still on crutches. And my mom turned to Margie and said, Throw down your crutches. So Margie took her crutches, threw them down and screamed, I've been saved. I can walk. And my mother and Margie were like crying. And all these people are turning around, looking at these two crazy Jewish women, all dressed up, screaming about the fact that Margie can walk again. So my mom also, one time, one of her very good friends, a a gentleman named Mr. Kenneth, who was a very famous hairdresser, very elegant Never, he was Mr. Kenneth, very elegant. And so in the lobby of his apartment building, he lived in one of those great old apartments on Riverside Drive. One night went in and redecorated with, she told the doorman who was doing it, the entire lobby, but did it in like a sailor theme (laughs) and had a a portrait done of Kenneth with a parrot on his shoulder. And And went in the middle of the night and put all this in the lobby of the building. And Kenneth wouldn't acknowledge it. It made her climb the wall. Do you think he knew it was her? Really? Like, <laughs> <I> mean, like, <laughs> they were really good friends. Who else would be crazy enough to do that and like tip the doorman and say, shh? She wanted a reaction. But it was hilarious. Like the extent that she went to. Would she prank you? She would try. And I'd be like, mom, stop it. Really? When you know each other that well, I would just, a lot of eye rolls.
1: When did you start? It seemed like you two had such a special relationship. Like, it seemed like you guys were always together. When did you start to realize, or what is it from the beginning, how cool your mom was and how you wanted to hang out with her? And uh, Maybe when did she start to realize how cool you were and how she wanted to hang out with you? I love
2: that you act like it was my choice. <laughs> <laughs> you were forced. You were shipped
1: off and then you were held at gunpoint.
2: Exactly. I love that people really think like, oh, isn't that? lovely. It's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> we wonder why I'm in therapy.
1: <laughs> and I'm you them. guys seemed like two peas in a pod to me. We oh, were very, show everything.
2: We were very, very close. You know, it was very typical mother daughter, you know, during the teenage years and this. And then after my father died, we had a major falling out, major falling out and didn't speak for almost a year. And then when we came back together, it was a different set of rules. And we had a couple we, had, we we would have huge blow-ups. We would have huge blow-ups. Yeah, you know, but that's part of it. But it's hard when you your mother, daughter, and you work together. Yeah. And my mom was always like, she, she'd spit it out and like sort of verbal vomit it all out and then be fine. And I'm much more like my dad where I would be seething. So we would get offset like at Fashion Police when I was the EP and she was the host. You know, I would be so pissed at her because of being whatever. And she would get in the car and be like, Let's stop for a snack. And I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot get home fast enough and get you the fuck out of the car and get away from you. (laughs) She's like, just like your father. Our
1: generation (laughs) is missing the realness that you have. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Because but that's why I think people responded. It was a real mother daughter relationship.
2: You know, one time and I know I'm over talking. Sorry, you
1: are not over talking. You take the mic. We'll sit back
2: with a piece of hay in our teeth. You know, you'll you'll enjoy this story, especially because you have a daughter. So, all this is ahead of you. No matter how close you are, at one point they will be a teenager, whether you like it or not. And kids learn to divide and conquer. So, your life is over. I'm done. Yeah. You're done. You are I, so easily manipulated. I
0: moved her wrong the other, like, and I still can't get the image. I moved her wrong and she, like, looked up at me with, like, a, like she was so sad that, like, I think I, like, hurt her a little bit because I moved, like, her position when she was watching. And, like, it was, you know, total accident. And, like, the way she looked at me, like, why would you, oh, my God, a devil? I was like, I'm done. I was like, Almost oh, broke down.
2: Start us just to add that. You're going to feel guilty forever. Yeah. And then she's going to come to you when you guys don't get along and try and play you off each other.
0: She's already kind of like doing that kind of thing.
1: You lost your father the same way I lost my mother. To suicide. Yes. Which is devastating. And
2: this is Mental Health Appreciation Month. I would no, love for this you to mental, talk
1: anything about that. This is, talk about Mental Health yeah. Appreciation. I would really it's love it. not that. Appreciation.
2: It's Mental Health Awareness. Mental Health Awareness
1: Month. Month. Mental Health...
2: You know, my mom and I were some of the first ones to really talk openly about suicide and what we call suicide survivors, which are people that whose lives have been touched by suicide. You know, I went back, I had to go back to school about a month after my dad killed himself. And it was very awkward. And granted, the media was very different then, thank God. But it had been the cover of People Magazine. It had been this, it had been that. One of the upshots of the pandemic is talking about mental health now isn't as taboo talking about people who have, you know, feeling suicidal is not taboo anymore. And we've seen such an uptick, especially in suicide with young people and meaning like 25 down. I find it alarming. I find it terrifying. And I think the more we all talk about it, especially during the month of May, the better. It's about erasing the stigma. And I don't know what you went through, but people make you... First of all, people are very uncomfortable and don't know what to say when, you, when you've when you had a parent that kills himself. It's very awkward. And what you just want to say is just spit the fucking words out. I know what happened. Let's not pretend. And don't tell me they're in a better place because guess what? I'm now in a shit storm of unhappiness and they did this to me. And I don't know about you, but it takes a long time to process suicide and decisions that people make You're at peace with it. It took me a long time to be able to say, you know what? I really hate what my dad did, and it was wrong, and it's affected me, and it will always affect me, and it's completely fucked up. But I accept his decision, and it doesn't make me love him or have wonderful memories anyway. Are you at that
1: point? I am at that point. I'm actually at the point, too, and I don't know if you've ever felt like this, where I have empathy. The the older I get closer to her age, I start to have empathy and I start to, and I don't know if this is because I did mushrooms in the desert and put this together, (laughs) but I started to put things together like, oh, maybe this triggered this, then triggered this, then triggered this. And I almost come from a place of understanding
2: rather than anger. You absolutely start to get it, whatever that means. And I think that's part of the acceptance of dealing with with the grief from suicide. I think it's it's hard when someone has hurt you so badly to get to a place where you say, you know what, I get it. I still think it's wrong. I don't agree with the decisions you made, but I get it and I still love you.
1: Isn't it interesting though how it experience stretches you to forgive people? Yes. I will. I can. I will not hold on to anything because I think it ends up hurting me in the long run. That sounds selfish, but it it you you get to a point where like you can sort of forgive anything because you've the forgiveness has had to be stretched so much. Well, like, and,
0: and what I've observed from an outset with my wife and I kind of like we do this all the time and we right. say a lot of wild shit on here and like what? And, and here's a way to caveat this. A lot of times what people think are big deals or they perceive as big deals. And maybe that is truthful. Like they actually, it is a very big deal to those individuals. Some of those things that people think are big deals to someone like my wife pales in comparison to what was a real big deal in her life, which is her mother taking her life or your father and yours. So like in a way, like sometimes she's desensitizing a bit to what other people think is important because it's like you've already experienced some of the worst things that a human can experience.
2: Right. And I always felt that way and I still feel that way, but I hear my mom's voice saying to me, remember, everyone's the star of their own movie. Yes. What does that mean? Meaning that you just because someone else thinks it's a big deal and you're like, Ugh, whatever, in their movie. It's a big deal. Their life. It's a big deal.
1: That is such a good line. That needs to be the name of your
2: next book. Everybody's a star. Well, the, my next book, which I just turned in, is actually called Lies My Mother Told Me.
1: Oh, my God. I can't. The, <laughs> the names you guys think of.
2: That is so good. And it's it's and the subtitles, A Work of Fiction? Question mark.
0: Speaking speaking of your mother, (laughs) obviously, like, everybody, I mean, I, I think there's people... Throughout history, that actually do have a like they are like a concrete character and actually changing the way culture interacts, like changing culture. Your mother is probably one of those people. Yes, not only for women but for men, the way that you can talk about things, the way you can joke about things, what's taboo, what's not. Like really, somebody that like kind of like stepped out the bounds and like pushed the envelope. Yeah, think. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) so
2: are you though? You're the you have the same energy as her. Energy, yes, but I know where you're going because we always discuss would she be canceled.
0: Yeah, and I wonder what I like when you knowing your mother. Well I don't she think did. she
2: would because I think she's like Howard Stern
1: where they can say whatever the fuck or they want. Chappelle. And I, she's unapologetic. Right.
2: And I think, as I like to say, I think her and Howard and for sure Chappelle would be grandfathered in.
0: Yeah, like they could do and say whatever they want and people are like, that's them.
1: Right. The other day, I slightly bent over to pick up some paperwork. It wasn't a slight. And Michael popped a boner and that is thanks to beta brand.
0: That's how you're going to that's how you're going to start this one, huh? It's
1: true. This is a true story. <laughs> not like making it up. Okay, so here's the deal. Beta brands dress pant, yoga pant, at home in black. That's the move. Get the skinny pair. I'm telling you, if you're not a fan of skinny jeans, then definitely look into their flare, but there is something that these pants do. Okay? It's it's going to pop the boners everywhere. <laughs>
0: I don't know if they want to use that as their next ad campaign. But, it's true. Uh,
1: okay. If you're working from home, let's look. It's cute. not false. That's for sure. <laughs> it's not false. Let's look cute. Like let's lift things. Let's tighten. Let's flatter, but let's also be comfortable. And that is why I'm obsessed with beta brands, dress pant, yoga pants. You look professional. You look stylish. You're comfortable. You're busy, but you also want to look great. I feel like you guys all understand me. Here's the best part though. I'm not a fan of washing my pants every single day. It's excessive. Like, I'm lucky if I wash them once a week. Sorry, Michael. These are made of wrinkle resistance stretch knit fabric. So it's perfect if you're like me and you don't want to wash your pants every second. So definitely check them out. Like I said, lots of styles and colors to choose from. I'm a fan of the black ones. Always have been, always will be. They have boot cut, straight legs, skinny, cropped eight pocket, and more. You do you here. They launch styles weekly. Right now, All Skinny Confidential, him and her listeners get 25% off your first order when you go to betabrand.com slash skinny. You guys, that's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash skinny. Find out why women are buying five different pairs of these pants. You're going to go to betabrand.com slash skinny for
2: 25% off, popping boners everywhere. And I think, I mean, one of my biggest things right now is I hate the I hate that we're not allowed to laugh. We're not allowed to have fun. We're not nothing's funny. Someone's always offended. We're all editing ourselves. It's like my mom and she really walked a line on that. Started making jokes about 9/11 right after 9/11. Now people were like, "How could you?" She's like, "I'm a New Yorker." And I watched that I watched people walking up town looking like ghosts. I went to every fire station and signed the books. I fucking am allowed. To, if I need humor to deal with this, then I need humor to deal with this. And was very unapologetic about that. And I think, yes, we've all learned about sensitivity and certain lines and language and things like that that we cannot cross. And, and you know, and my mother, on the other hand, also marched in the 60s. So in the 70s with the women's movement, but it's like, if we don't laugh, we're going to die. If people were like, oh, she was caustic and mean. And it's like, first of all, she came from such a loving place of everything, and she was always the butt of her own jokes.
1: She was self-deprecating. That's the best thing about her. Beyond
2: self-deprecating. So it's like she used to, (laughs) towards the end, she would walk out on stage, and my mom died six years ago. So it was sort of the beginning of you can't say that. She would walk out on stage and unleash a string of racial epitaphs, like the worst you have ever heard. And then she'd say, we're all something. Now let's go on with the show.
1: What do you think would happen if she did that in this day and age? Oh, she would.
2: People would have been trying to cancel her the whole time. And her answer would have been like, fuck you. Do you
1: <laughs> think she would have been on social
2: media? Oh, she was. And it was a fucking nightmare. I hated her social media.
1: Why? Can we bring it back? Can we go watch it? I want to watch it. No, you don't. It was
2: all goofy. You know, she she tried to <laughs> do what was not Zoom. Not Zoom, but what was the what? Vine. Oh, she my would God. try and do Vine. Now, you have to remember, my mother was not tech savvy. So, so when we tried to switch her from BlackBerry to iPhone, it was a huge deal. And like, I'm trying to teach her how to swipe up and she would be going like this. (laughs) like her like mom it doesn't work like that like gentle she'd be like I am swiping up and she'd be trying to push it with like her nail she was answering the
1: phone hello Mrs. Rosenberg
2: (laughs) well no and then when she would send emails she would just write the entire thing in the subject line she would like just start writing and the entire thing would be in the subject line and then it would come up saying this message has no content
1: it's kind of endearing though
2: yes I did Save all of her emails. We do have those on a file. What's scary though, because I... No, scary is that someone might get that file. <laughs> yeah, well, that's if scary. If you want fucking scary. I, I, I think like co- <laughs> comedy, comedians,
0: me. people like your mom, people like Chappelle, like, like I, I think they're kind of the first people to start taking subjects that are really heavy and really uncomfortable and helping people heal through them, right? And if we're in a place now where you can't do that anymore, it's like who is going to start broaching those subjects so that people can actually address real issues, right? Well,
2: Chris Rock also. Yes, I mean, but I'm saying
0: comedians in general. Like, the, I feel like the comedy is the first way, at least one of, one of the first ways that we start dealing with really heavy issues.
2: Well, if you want to go deep and and engage that side of my brain, I prefer swimming around in the shallow end of the pool. Hence, why I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Joan Rivers joke right there. <laughs> I, I'm very happy with my life walking around the shallow end of the pool with a cocktail. Every now and again, I paddle. <laughs> you to- know what? I'm an outlet. That's, that's fine.
1: I'm I'm a fluffy pink outlet. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> but we do. We, we paddle down and swim around a little bit in the deep end of the pool, maybe just hanging onto the the raft because it's a good place to put your drink and go from there. But if you want to get all deep and make me show off my education, which occasionally I try and do so I don't feel like my parents wasted all that money because being a history major really has helped me in life. I'm sure. Um, sure. I
1: bet. Really? I actually bet. Michael always says history repeats itself. Examine history, Lauren. But look at
2: what I do, what I've I've done with my life for a living. But it makes you sharp. It makes me sharp and thank you, you're very sweet to not agree with me that it does nothing for me. (laughs) Um, I can tell you, but if we do want to get serious for a second, comedy, art in general, but comedy is also a reflection of life. And... If you look back through comedy, you can actually trace all the big movements through comedy. You can trace back and look at Lenny Bruce, for example, was making jokes and coming out against the Vietnam War and doing it. Well, he went off the deep end, but you can go and look back on that and and trace social history through comedy. And I always say I'm going to write a book doing that, but. That takes a lot of work. Well,
0: I think that's what I was saying about no, cult- was saying, cultural shifts, right? Like your mom yes. was somebody that probably changed the way, honestly,
2: a w- lot Wim of women. For women, yeah. for sure. She was the first one out there talking about going to the gynecologist. She was the first one out there talking about childbirth. Like
0: my wife talks a lot of, about a lot of wild shit, but I think Be- it's someone like pe- your mom kind like of the way, yeah. yes. right?
2: But you really can, if you want to get very deep, talk about comedy as a reflection of, a, of society through history
1: well, what do you think is going to happen when people look back on this
2: year? That's a good question. And I think people are going to look back. Again, the, the, the short answer is, thank God it's over. The deeper answer is the complete, that we became much more enlightened and much more aware, but we're losing free speech, specifically in comedy. I'm not talking about hate speech. I'm not talking about degrading speech. I am not talking about any of that. I'm talking about that we're we're not allowing laughter. yeah, and my mother always used to say if you could get a really funny Israeli and a really funny Palestinian at the border and hang out and let make each other laugh, we would have peace in the Middle East because you can't hate someone that you laugh with. I agree. Do you think you that- can disagree with them? but you can't hate
0: them. Like I think about our daughter in social studies in, or history class in 10 years. And it's like, do you think there'll be like images of people going crazy, like pulling toilet paper off shelves and being like, remember this period of time when they took toilet paper or when they wore a giant bubble to the suit? Like, I wonder if people are looking back at this period of time, 10 years, I'm like, what the hell were these people doing?
2: Absolutely. I think people are gonna be like, what, what? By the way, and wasn't that always a thing? I mean, I haven't been married in, Jesus, my son's 20. I haven't been married in 19 years. But do you, and I don't know if it was with you guys at bridesmaids at a at a wedding showers. You used to make a toilet paper dress for the bridesmaid for the bride. Like now, that's like you might as well just hand her over a check because toilet paper is so ex- was so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else are you supposed to do at showers now? I hate showers. By the way, I always hated them.
1: Oh, I want to just do a public service announcement. What showers?
2: Uh, I don't want to play we stupid go games.
1: It. My baby shower, I had a voice, A lot of masculine
2: energy. And yeah. it's just,
1: you just, I wanted alcohol. and Yeah. And, and I don't,
2: I don't, I don't want to play games. I don't want to wear a hat with a big dildo Neither on it. Are. I just, <laughs> like I drink just, out of a penis straw. No, I just, it's not fun. I know. I'd rather just have cocktails and people and give me some gifts. Yeah.
1: Or watch some comedy.
2: Yeah. But yeah, it's like at least the toilet paper dresses are gone.
1: I'm, I'm glad the toilet paper dresses are on. Me too. RIP.
2: Yes. Thank God. But also, but like what you're saying, of course they're going to look back and 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 be that this was the, la- the last God since Me Too started. That it are we the softest society.
0: generation? Are we? What? Are we the softest generation?
2: Well, I'm not part pres- of it. Yeah, are we
0: are um, we, like, I'm, I, we're, I ask that question a lot. I'm, but you're like, not a millennial. No, that's true. What so, are we? Yes,
2: we are. You're millennials? Yeah, we're millennials.
0: 87 was my birth year.
2: So what does that make me? I guess that does make you... I don't know what the cutoff is. I don't know either. I think you're... 87 no because my son was 2000 and he's a gen x i know we're not gen Gen z Z. he's a gen z my son's a gen z how did you meet your first husband uh i rode horses competitively for years and i met him through the my first husband my only husband you never know you You never know know. i mean
1: in la what do you
2: mean people marry first for what is
1: it first for friendship then for money then for companionship i don't know
2: i'm looking for money give the fucking friendship give the fucking friendship <laughs> companion I, who I, uh, yeah i i need i need i need jewelry and a private plane <laughs> i'll be on the lookout for you yeah please do cuz i apparently am, am repel people what oh i do my friends like my friends are like you're so intimidating i'm like no i'm not you are having you on the podcast you are to, well,
1: i was just thinking when you started talking one of my most exciting guests we've ever had because you know how to handle a mic. Oh, it's well, rare. Thank
2: you. Yes, it is rare. But I'm not, I mean, I, I'm such an insecure, quivering fool that like I, I live half my life in what I call earthquake preparedness position. Oh, you're like Michael. <laughs> yeah, because something horrible is always going to happen. Like enjoy the moment when things are good because you know what happens after things are good. Things become really bad. That's
1: called MUS. What? Made up stress. He does it to That's me. He brings a- it to me.
2: Uh, (laughs) Uh, that's me take it away from i don't want this energy around me bye yeah no i'm it's only downhill from here (laughs) yeah you know in this moment we're good but you know that this moment's gonna go away (laughs) yeah that's me
1: the other day i caught michael juving in his man cave listening to wim hof breath but naked. And I want to say that you were inspired. Why can't by you just
0: leave me alone when I'm doing my juve?
1: Why can't you just like not copy me on every single thing I do?
0: Let me, let me tell you guys about red light therapy. Let me tell you about better skin. Maybe I should write the book. You want to have better skin, better sleep, more collagen, better sex, more muscle growth, better everything, more clarity
1: bigger balls
0: that too you need to jump into red light therapy and specifically juve we've been talking about this product for a long time guys we actually had the founders of the company on the show to talk all about the benefits of red light therapy and if you're still listening to this show after all this time and haven't gotten the hint i don't know what to tell you i don't know if we can help you
1: so the one that we have is the one that stands up it's big it's huge But then I also have the new Juve Go. And this is an amazing option if you're like me and you're traveling a lot. I also sometimes will just use it when I'm getting ready and doing my skincare routine. Today I did Pilates on Skype and I just put my Juve out and it got to work. So I like the idea of having a big one at home and then one for travel. So definitely check out their new Juve Go it's affordable and it's battery powered. So you can take it anywhere and it fits in the palm of your hand, which is so insane. So you get all these benefits on the go. You're going to use our code as always code skinny for an exclusive discount. If you're looking for a new juve, we have exciting news. You're going to go to juve.com slash skinny. That's J O O V V.com slash skinny, and use code skinny. You'll get the exclusive discount on Juve's next generation devices. Exclusions apply, limited time only.
2: Red Light is going to become your new best friend. I fake, I'm a fake confident. I I, pr- I play confident on TV.
1: I mean, I would never think that you have any speck of insecurity, oh my God, but that's I, good to know. It opens to, w- this allows everyone to be like, oh yeah, this part of me is insecure. Yeah, Who but- isn't insecure in some part?
2: everyone's insecure, but literally like when I used to go out on dates pre COVID where I would go out on like a date or two, the first one I went on after ending a long-term relationship, I literally was shaking and sweating. Why? I don't know. Ask Dr. May. What's
1: what's, <laughs> what's your type? So we can just put it out there into the
2: ether. Um, Got to be funny. Got to be funny. M- n- Not repulsive looking. I used to say attractive, but now I'm just going for like not repugnant. Yeah, I'm not like looks. I feel like we can work with. Yeah, good manners, bad table manners. Gotta go. Okay. I can't deal with bad table manners. Taylor's off the table. Keep going. Okay. Bad table manners. No go. I I used to always just say like confident and successful, but that's sort of backfired on me. But so they have to be successful and confident, but they also have to not be intimidated or put off because so like self assured. Right. Because what happens is, and this happened happened to me twice, where and one of them was in my one of my long term relationships. In the beginning, they're all like, Oh, it's you're like I'm like a novelty. I'm like a party trick. And then they start getting really annoyed when they start making plans and people go, Oh, well, is Melissa coming? I and mean, that gets that I gets, would want you at
1: my party too though.
2: Yeah. But at one point you're like, they their egos get in the way.
1: Yeah, you do, you have to find a very specific kind of man. Right. Which I can imagine was the same with your mother. It's the same with a lot of women. You're a dominant energy, so I can see why you would need someone who's very, very comfortable with himself.
2: What I find fascinating is if you look at a lot of the actresses right now, all in that late 40s, early 50s group. First of all, which I love, is they're all still considered the most beautiful and the most glamorous. So fashion-wise, they're still winning, which I love. A lot of them are single.
1: Yeah, look at J-Lo.
2: Well, she, as of today, she's back with, allegedly back with well, Ben. Well, Ben
1: Affleck's dick in Gone Girl was a huge penis. I well, mean, I I'm, could see
2: why she went back. But you could see why she went back. So apparently, she doesn't stay single for long. Yeah, but she she kind of lily pads. Yeah, she totally, well, or not lily pads. She she loves being in love. Yes,
1: I think that you're going to find someone when you when you keep putting it out there that you want someone who's confident and comfortable. But
0: are you saying that a lot of these women are single because a lot of the men just are not confident enough yeah, they to can't deal handle with it. strong it. They can't women. handle
2: it. I mean, yeah. I was reading something about, I think it was Charlize Theron or Theron, I never remember which it is, saying, really? Some guy's going to walk up to me? Like, she's right. She's an Academy Award winning actress. She's 200 feet tall and staggeringly gorgeous.
1: Yeah. And what do you say? Hey, what do you do for a living? Or like, or, that's or, hard. Yeah. And, not to like do. Same like, with Angelina Jolie. Exactly. They, but
2: I know Shirley has talked about it in an interview. Like, really some guy's just going to come up to me at a party? No.
0: But I think like, maybe in that, like if you talk about like 40, 50, 60 year old men, I think they grew up or they came up in a generation where you didn't see, I mean, not that there weren't strong women, you didn't see as many women doing so much, so many powerful things, right? Like there's a, women doing a lot of really powerful yeah. things that kind of if you're a man you're like oh i thought i was going to be
2: the it is guy. it's a it's a mind it's shift like all of a
0: sudden you're like playing second fiddle you are
2: unique right? though and i
1: feel like it's hard for you to speak on this cuz his mother is a ballbuster she's right. confident she's she's no, but I'm speaking to she's from from like
2: a, she's like you know he's speaking from an observation i'm yeah. speaking of view. from an yes. observational
0: and honestly even what i see some of my friends doing mm-hmm. right like they get with a woman who is vastly more successful or more known or has a better career and it fucks with these guys because they're like, wait a minute, like I thought I was that and now you're with somebody that is what well, you thought I, you were supposed to be. Also,
2: I think it's because you have to allow someone else's work maybe take precedence over yours. Yes. Someone's not at your beck and call. I had that experience where it was when I dated for a hot sec. or where, you don't
0: feel as needed, well,
2: right? Well, but also the second I wasn't at his beck and call, really unhappy. That's, I feel like that's not for you. No. Totally not for me. Totally not for me.
1: You're extremely entrepreneurial. Yes. Well, look who I'm sitting
2: here talking to. You guys are super entrepreneur. Entre- I'll take, entrepreneurial. I'll take that from Melissa
1: Rivers. I'll yes. take the compliment. Take them. Take the
2: compliment. Oh, my God. Like like I said, like I follow you and I'm on your website and I knew all about our little skin roller. and I'm getting you one. Yeah, yeah, I'm and getting I, and you and a And your, your love of pastels.
1: <laughs> <laughs> She's wearing a pastel pink. We need to yes, take a moment and, for this one. And linen.
2: happy shoes. Let me see. I oh like my those. god, those shoes
1: are so major with the pink pastel. Yeah, yeah, I, I dressed it. for you. I love it.
2: So and I'm, I blow dry my hair. Your hair looks great, but I, cause I, I it got dried this. morning. Taylor
1: tried to give you a hug during COVID and a kiss, and I yeah, I elbowed him. Yeah,
2: well, because you know, yeah, I, I think He's, it's so second teaching. nature now. But I was always real weird with germy things.
1: Well, now this is a great opportunity for people who are germy, like a Howie Mandel. Right. I mean, this is
2: heaven for him. Hey,
1: you know what
0: it. I um, just put in the. And, and and listen, I love that you just you like you just like showed up and you guys were in the elevator. But one of the rules I put in, and I'm going to cite COVID for it, but it's actually very exciting to me is nobody's allowed to show up to the studio I'm with entourages. They get to bring one person because we've had some guests show up and there's like they're rolling twenty people deep, and I'm like, what do? You, where are all these people going? But right. now with COVID, I could say, hey, listen, you get one, and it's you know some yeah, people don't we have like to it, look but, for the perks. but it's you know I get to cite the germy situation yeah. to get rid of
2: entourages. I but, I want- you, but you have a, you have a small child, so you're really like germy. I'm folks. not. Oh, I let my son I'm eat not, dirt. You
1: know, stuff drops on the ground. I'm like, it's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's your second kid. On my first kid, I was like, eh, she'll, she's going to be okay. Yeah, no, he, my, he, s- a little more my like
2: son ate dirt.
1: Yeah, it's they they all it's get fine. to the finish line.
2: You know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's why his immune system's good. I let him lick the pavement. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> you know? Whatever works. Wait, I'm saying, I can't believe, like I said, I can't believe he's 20. How
1: were you such an entrepreneur when you were raising a son? It seems like as a single parent...
2: Well, again, I raised him how my parents raised me. And their whole thing was Separate. Separate it. But also, if one per- if one parent was on the road for more than two weeks, the whole family went. I was my parents offices were always in our home, except for very specific times. Like if they had a production going on, they had production offices. So I was raised right there with them. And their feeling was always, I should be exposed, obviously not to the really crappy stuff. It's a family, I've always said, it's a it's a family business. People are like, how do you, how'd you end up doing what you do? I said, well, at one point in college, I'm like, I'm not going into the entertainment business. I'm going to go into advertising because that's such a huge leap, right? And then I was, I was with a friend or a couple girlfriends and they were talking about oh my God, I love this person or I love this actress and she's so nice and she's this. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I know this person. She's a raging bitch. And at that point I realized I only know the entertainment business and I don't think I could ever sit and, and not know what was going on behind the scenes or, I mean, I'm sure you're like that now at this point too.
1: What goes on behind the scenes? But you know what I'm saying? What are well, we
2: like, not seeing? No, but like, you know how people really behave, who has a good reputation, who has a bad like reputation. Like by
1: e, like mean. Yeah, and, all that. You don't, don't have, all have to give names, nice, but no, just, but, like, just to, like a bitch. Like yeah, what?
2: I mean, you 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 start to know all that and you're, you're here long enough, you know, this one's difficult and this one's this. And, you know, there's a couple of actresses that I've, I've, not been wanting that may have been on projects that I was working on where you're like, oh, life is too short. Well, this is you know, yeah. This is one of the and that's, only. So I couldn't. How could I not? It's like everyone's like, I went to the family business. Like this is all I know how to do. I'm not qualified to do anything else. I feel like you were made for this, though. Made for a
1: mic. Made for video. Maybe.
2: Maybe. I mean, I like to think so. But again, like I said, but like with my son, it's like it's very clear. And he, I'd pick him up, and off we'd go to work. Or you know, I had a nanny. I'm not embarrassed by it. And he would come to wherever I was shooting or go to wherever grandma was shooting or I he would, when we'd have red carpet days and we'd have to be there super early, he would, we would take his soccer ball or whatever and I would turn him loose on the red carpet to blow out some energy.
1: I mean, I would have loved to play soccer on the red carpet.
2: Yeah, but I remember at that point the carpet's still covered in plastic and it's just a bunch of crew guys and that's who he, it was like me. I grew up backstage.
0: You know, this was like when I first started doing the dear media thing, it was challenging because I didn't come from entertainment at all. Like right. I was running businesses that had nothing to do with anything right. in entertainment. And so I was used to putting deals together and negotiating based on either something somebody created or right. something kind of, like, and this was the weirdest thing when I came in and it was like, you were expected almost to deal with people and negotiate based on like a character they either play make believe with or some, or like some kind of person they know. And in the beginning it was challenging. Cause I was like, I, I, I can't do business. Like I want to know who the person is, right? What they're about, and and that's what I talk about social currency. I was like, I think you're in. We're in this bubble here sometimes, and for when you're trying to get to the core, and like at the end of the day, you want to know like, are they a good person? Are they trustworthy? Are they going to do the job they're hired Like all these things. But it's one of the weirdest industries because you negotiate with things that are like make believe in many other places. Does that make sense?
2: Totally. Did you read? I mean, again. Also bad a lot of bad behaviors accepted. Yes. Yeah, so and
0: it's like that yes. And like that's like there's no way that these behaviors that I've someone I've observed would ever be accepted in any other no sphere of business.
2: No, none whatsoever. And I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, a lot has been coming out, starting with like all the Me Too stuff. But did you read that article about Scott Rudin?
0: No, but I know what you're referencing. Yes. What?
2: Tell us. It was this article about this very, very powerful producer who has a reputation of being a crazy man. And a screamer and throwing stuff. And finally, there was just this was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, a big expose by they interviewed all of his old assistants and this that they're calling it the reckoning after all these years to come out and say, this man is so beyond abusive. Now, the joke is they can write those articles all they want. All he needs is another hit and everything's forgiven.
1: Is that really like how it is in Hollywood, you think?
2: You're only. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, it's like sports. You're only as good as your last game.
0: Yeah, like huh. you, like I, I think, yeah, what you're in other spheres of business, you can't do that stuff in the middle. Like, okay, cool, you're good, you get away. Like this is a, it's a weird place where like
1: athletes can, oh,
2: athletes can totally get away with shit. I'll, athletes can. Yeah,
1: I think some influencers can.
2: Oh, absolutely. If I hear one more person like, I'm sorry, and it's like, really? How about don't be an idiot.
1: I would love to know, and this is really weird, your morning routine. You you write a lot. Do you have a morning routine that you go to to get your mind in a place to write, or are you just waking up and writing? Summer is coming, and you know what I love during the summer, Michael Bostick? I love a cold beer, which is why I am so excited that Coors Pure just came out with an organic beer. It's simple, straight to the point. It has organic barley, organic hops, and water. But here's the thing. I'm a huge beer drinker, but I don't usually explore it because it can feel heavy on the gut and I get super bloated. This one, tried it, guys. Zero sugar, 92 calories, and it's the perfect beer for the summer. Like I feel like it is the beer of the summer guys can drink it. Weston steals it out of my fridge every single day. Michael loves it. I'm telling you, if you want to enjoy a beer and not feel bloated, this is it, okay? I feel like we all are working out. We're eating healthy. We're doing all the things, all the wellness trends. If you're going to drink a beer, why not make it organic, okay? This is like the beer that you want to make a michelada with. Okay, how I like to make my michelada, just on a side note, is with lots of ice, a Coors Pure, a little bit of tomato juice, maybe a tahine rim, and I am ready to go. That is a skinny michelada for you, okay? Coors Pure is the perfect beer to celebrate the wins of everyday life. So when you want to enjoy a beer without the guilt, you're going to reach for Coors Pure. It's organic, but chill about it. Go to CoorsPure.com, that's C-O-O-R-S-P-U-R-E.com slash skinny, to see where you can find Coors Pure. Go to CoorsPure.com. That's C-O-O-R-S-P-U-R-E.com slash skinny to see where you can find Coors Pure. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Albany, Georgia. Cheers.
2: Oh, I don't wake up and write. I'll, I'll wake up and write something down. I wake up usually about... Well, it depends on my sleep. I, I'm ter- I can sleep anywhere. So I'm a good sleeper like that. Like I could put my head down right here and be out cold, not a problem, but I can't stay asleep. So lately I've been waking up about 545, six, which is like a nightmare because it's just awful. And the dogs don't go get now. Unfortunately, the dogs are getting up that early, which is a whole other issue. And I just, I have my coffee. I have to watch the news in the morning. Big today show person, watch the today show. Got to make it through Pop Start because let's be honest, that's what I really care about. Check emails. I, every morning I play my solitaire game. First thing on my phone because I have to get crowns and all the dates. <laughs> and if I miss a day and I get it and it doesn't have the little di- the little shiny parts in it, I'm not happy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the only place in my life that I have control. <laughs> and then I just start my day depending upon what's what's going on. I have scheduled time at least once a week with my writing partner and we we go at it.
1: Writing partner, someone that you sit down and you tell all these incredible stories that you have to.
2: Well, we go back and forth like on the on the most current book that we just turned in. We were like it started out as a history book, like my mother's version of everything in history. Okay, And then it sort of just morphed into a funny book where there is some retelling of history. There is just stuff that we make up. That goes, There are a couple Easter eggs in there. There are a couple stories that are true, but like, like we rewrite the first Thanksgiving.
1: Do you tell us what stories are true? I'm
2: giving it away. Oh, I, I want to read, the read the it.
1: Fact? But you, I told you I've read all the books. Yeah,
2: but you you'll have to read that one to figure it out. There's, say say
1: the name of the one that I just read again because it's so funny. Oh
2: God, that was an old one. Uh, Men, Men are, are stupid. stupid and like big boobs. I like di- diary. What's the book's name? Yeah, I like I like Diary of a Mad Diva. Yeah, that's a good one too. That's a good one too. Very good storyteller. She almost got sued over that one.
1: Oh, but you know what? What would it be of her not getting sued to write a book? That's what I would expect. Well, the thing was
2: the person, and I'm going to remain nameless, got very litigious and their their lawyer wanted that all the books to be pulled and this and that and the other from a particular story, which was true that my mom told in it. And she said, that's fine. I will see your. I will see that. I will go to court and I'm going to bring in an anatomically correct doll and ask this woman to show us on the doll where she touched the alleged person she had an affair with. Show me on the doll where you touched it. So so what ended up happening? Oh, they, they, they nothing happened. They were out. I love it. Yeah, that's she was fine. So Go ahead and smart. see me. Prove that it's wrong. There's photos of you with this person that were all over the tabloids when you were cheating and he was cheating. And you're mad at me that I'm telling that story in my book. Here's a doll show. Because everyone
1: knows everyone's going to read that book because she was such a good writer. But the funny thing was,
2: like, she's like, fine, show me on the doll.
1: When you guys started Fashion Police, you started in the behind the scenes and she was on the camera and then it shifted. How did that work? In the
2: original iteration, I was one of the co hosts. Then it went away. Then it came back. And that's when she came back as the host and I came back as uh, the executive producer. And then after she passed, we went through a guest host we tried we tried to use Kathy Griffin which was just a debacle and then we put the show on hiatus for a minute and we were trying all these different guest hosts and the network came to me and said we'll use you for the first one and the last one but we want to try all these hosts in between and I just knew in my gut the only person that the fans would accept replacing her was me and I said no I'm not doing the first one and then you're going to try all these people and then I get to go and clean up at the end. Like, oh, well, it's been a good try. See you guys. And I'm like, you give me the show or I'm out. And I basically called the head of our network at that point and said, I'm done. I can't take this anymore. It would be really And by the hard. way, I got the job within 24 hours. <laughs> I just said, I can't. I go, it makes me too. Un- I would literally sit in my car and sob hysterically. After tapings.
1: I I would think one of the reasons that you were sobbing and tell me if I'm wrong is that you're kind of like, like, you can't really say all the things you want to say because you're on network TV. That would be really hard for me not to say like penis and vagina. That (laughs) wasn't that
2: wasn't it at all. It was having to watch my baby get destroyed. It was having to watch. What do you mean?
1: Because they were
2: bringing, you know, they wanted to try all these different hosts and I knew none of them were going to work. And, you know, we went through the Kathy Griffin thing and trying, it just, I felt like, you know, I'm watching my baby be slowly suffocated. That makes sense. And I would get in the car and just sob.
1: How much control do you have when you're on a show like that for the behind the scenes? Well, I was
2: the executive producer of the show. So do you have all the control? No, the network has all the control. I was, they have to they were very respectful, but... There was a lot of creative disagreements right after my mom died, and it just we had to work through it. And but it did get to the point where I was so unhappy. I called and said, "I'm I can't." I'm and done. so,
1: it, did you part ways after that? Was no it over? after
2: tw- they called me, I said, "I'm done." They said, "Give us twenty four hours." And they fixed it. No, and they called me and they said, "The show's yours." That's how I started hosting it. I said, and I can't. You got it.
1: and you could do full creative.
2: Well, we always did the full creative, but you you know, there are restrictions. You are on TV. You can't just goddamn motherfucking piece of shit. You can't do that. You know, you have to stay, you know, within certain limits. So just like my own I used to joke, you can say ass and you can say hole, but you can't say asshole.
1: Oh, you can say ass and you can say hole. Right. But you can't say separately asshole. But you can say ass.
2: Yeah. You can say someone looks like an ass or someone's acting like an ass but you can't say they're an asshole.
1: Looking back on your career and your mother's career, are there p- are times that you can pinpoint where you guys got in trouble for not being politically correct? Or oh, for- no, my mother, I, I spent quite
2: a bit of time in HR. <laughs> That's, yeah. I would love to know stories about that. Between my mother and some of our writers and things people would post, the other EP and I was spent, would often have to be in HR <laughs> just because someone would make a joke and someone else would be offended and, We had one that tried to we had one producer that tried to sneak out of like our man, the mandatory network sensitivity training. And he was like, oh, I'm going to the bathroom and had hidden all of his stuff. And then someone else found him in the hallway and was like, really, you're not going like, you know, we were always getting in trouble for stuff like that. It's like really mandatory sensitivity training. Wrong show.
1: I was obsessed with all your shows. The E one is the one that's fresh in my mind. But you also did a show with your mother.
2: Yes, the reality show. T-
1: tell us about that.
2: Oh, that was a small slice of hell. Oh, my God. I loved it as a I know. Every, but again, my mother and I spent so much time together. The last time, thing we needed, because first of all, my mother stayed in my house when we were shooting. So we were doing <sighs> Fashion Police once a week. So she was always there, and which is great for my son, who was spoiled rotten by grandma, And so close with her. So in that sense, I'm really happy. But when you're an adult and have a life and your mother's there three days a week and a mother that's controlling or opinionated, like my mom would come in and just move my furniture. I kind of love that. You love it for a minute, but years of it, you're like, get the fuck out, stop touching my shit. It's
1: kind of amazing though. She just come in and move everything.
2: Yeah, she was just, oh, this is, I'm not, and then I'm not telling you what to do.
0: Did your mother ever like, one of the questions and topics that comes up a lot on this show is where to find confidence. And we, you know, there's been different guests that give different answers. And... She was terribly insecure. Well, that's what I wanted shy. to ask you. And shy. because, And she's also like, you know, she gave it as good as she got it. In, like, and like she yes. was joking with a lot of men and comedians yes. they are like taking really strong... I mean, even when she did some of those, like those roasts, like people were brutal sometimes with yeah. her. And I wanted to ask you, like, did she just have the thickest skin or she just learned how to deflect? Like what... Like, where do you think that confidence muscle came from with her?
2: You know, again, it was such a separation of work and the person. And I think that was sort of the saving grace. Because, and by the way, and as a seasoned comedian, you know all the jokes people are going to make. She's like, I'm not going to talk about that I'm old. They're going to talk about plastic surgery. They're going to talk about your dad. Like, and that's the thing with the comedians. You're not making jokes about anything people don't already know. That aren't sort of, my mom always said, when people be, how can you make jokes about so-and-so or someone would be upset? I would say, you have to understand to make a joke about someone and for it to work,
0: People have to, yeah.
2: you have to be such a part of the public zygus, zygus, zike, 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 this morning, I'm, that word's eluding. It's a hard word. Just not working for me this morning that you have to realize how big you are for the joke to work. And my mom, one time she was friends with Cher and my mom changed the name and took Cher out of the act and she was like, Why am I out of the act? Because that's someone who is smart going, I'm not making a big enough public splash that a joke about me works. Whoa, that's a totally different way to look at it. That makes so much sense. Yeah, if you're big enough to be made fun of and have have jokes made about you that work, you're huge. That means people have a working knowledge of you to a point that they get the joke, that they get the humor.
1: It's kind of like the Caitlyn Jenner roast. That's, yeah,
2: That was that worked really well. Yeah, or the Alec Baldwin one. I mean, you, that's the thing is you have to be so big for jokes to work. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and people have to look at it that way like, wow, I've arrived.
0: Meaning like you're already saying things that everybody either thinks or knows or feels about and, you anyway, but, can, just calling to light.
2: Not just calling to light, can understand why it's funny. Yeah. It's a whole secondary level that you can make a joke about someone in the world knows why it's funny.
1: Yeah. That's huge. That is huge. It's kind of, it reminds me of like the
2: Kardashians too. But that's a perfect example. Yeah. That's a perfect example. And that's why they take it. Because they know that's a sign of success. Yeah. Makes
1: total sense. Uh, One thing your your mom did for me, and I don't know if she did this for you too and maybe your friends or whoever, is she talked about plastic surgery. I've talked. I've I've talked about very openly since the time I started blogging 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, let's talk about Botox. Let's talk about boob right. jobs. Now everyone's talking about it. It's a thing. <clears throat> she was the pioneer of someone who called it out. Yes. Instead of hiding it, because yes. we all know a lot of people in her generation got all this shit
2: done and didn't talk about it. Yes. And that used to bug the shit ever. It's like I if, don't blame her. She'd be like, "Don't make me swallow this. You have a brand new face. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm looking at it. As she always Who's used Who's your to, doctor? Yeah. But as she always used to say. Yeah, better. What she would say for women of a certain age, better a new you getting out of an old car than an old you getting out of a new car. Whoa, that's a good one. That's a good one. Isn't that a good one? Yeah.
1: And but now, like, I feel like if she was here now, it wouldn't be weird that she's talking
2: about. No, not at all. But again, she was the first one to talk about going to the gynecologist. She was the first one to talk about having children. What? How are you doing? Raising kids.
1: Me? Yeah. I am doing great. I did not think I was maternal.
2: I wasn't maternal until they put him in. I'd only held one baby in my, or two babies in my life before they put Cooper in my arms.
1: I wasn't maternal the second they put her in my arms. It took me, I need to get to know someone.
2: <laughs> she had, like my she had to court me. <laughs> but, by the way, my mom said, my father really was like, oh, I love her, but really had no relationship with me till I could respond love it. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it, it took a little bit. But now I'm obsessed and I get it and I understand it. But I also think that for me, like, and I feel like you feel the same is that it can't be your entire... Well, for me, it can't be my entire identity. No. Like, I don't want to lead with... I love leading with that I'm a mother, but I'm I'm other things, too.
2: And that's what a lot of my friends and I went through when our kids went off to college. Like, I'm... Whether you know it or not, being a mom is what... You are. And especially for women, I think, who are professionals and spend so much time at work, the focus and love you have to give during the times that you are a part of it becomes so much more intense. Like I would take my son's lacrosse schedule, like when he was playing in high school or club or we knew when he was little, and I would block out the games. And I would be there. And I would go to school and you know, you sign up for like room mom stuff. I would grab that thing, the the calendar, the as soon as I could on Parents Day, and and mark out everything I could do, and immediately text it to my office and say block these.
1: What would you do when like all the moms wanted to get together?
2: I had great, I have great mom friends. You found your group. I found my group for sure. Now, yeah, I found my group. What what was that look? That was the like because because Cooper played a sport competitively so much. A lot of my group were moms or dads from our club system rather than school.
1: Okay. So you just have to find your you just have to your, find your
2: group. I just had dinner with a bunch of our lacrosse parents the other uh, two weeks ago.
1: Are you the life of the party? No.
2: You aren't? No. I but I am really lucky. I have amazing friends that are very funny and very interesting and very fun. And by the way, none of them are in, only ones in the entertainment business.
1: That's interesting. So it seems like you're just you're attracted to people's humor and wit. Obviously, that would make a lot
2: of sense. And my closest friends are these people I went to college with, which is really interesting, I think. And just by chance, everyone I'm the only one who was from L.A. And just by chance, a bunch of them all moved out to L.A. And we all again, accidentally all live within like three miles of each other and have raised all of our kids together.
1: It sounds like you are very well-rounded
2: to one, me. One tries because mentally I'm just a hot mess. So at least I seem well-rounded.
1: <laughs> yeah. It seems like that, that you you have all the, the boxes checked. If you could leave our audience with a book, a podcast, or a resource that's brought you a lot of value, what would that be?
2: A book, a podcast that brings a lot of value.
0: Or any just kind of resource along the way that you just thought like inspirational or helpful or provides relief, like whatever. Oh
2: God, I have to think for a minute the most important thing that I've learned, how about a thing that I've learned? Yes, that's great. Is, and I'm always working on this, is, well, I was a history major. My parents were huge history buffs. Basically, all we read in our house was nonfiction, And I still am like that. And big Winston Churchill fan. Huge. This is, you're going to love this. I love Winston Churchill. Um, And it was sort of our family. We had two family sayings. And one was from Winston Churchill, which was when you find yourself in hell, or when you when you find yourself in hell, just keep walking. It's a bastardized version of it, meaning just put your head down and keep going. It's going to get better. And the other thing my parents always would say, especially mom, was "this too shall pass." But you, but it was for both good and bad. It means appreciate the good because it's going to change at some point, and know that the bad is going to go away also. What a quote to
1: leave us with. You are welcome back on this podcast. Anytime you want to come back on, I could honestly, I could have asked you a hundred more questions.
2: I, I really could. Have. I know we haven't even gotten into parenting.
1: No, why don't you come back? I'm I'm not joking. Come back for part two. I'll literally
2: book it after this. Yeah, come back sure. and talk
1: about parenting for sure. You have a podcast. You have a book coming out.
2: Pimp yourself out. Tell us where to find you. Uh, my podcast is called Melissa Rivers Group Text. So cute because it's all when I was looking at all my different group texts, they were funny and they were about everything. And I was always like, don't put me in a lane. I can't just be a mommy podcast or a gossip podcast or whatever. Like, we're all much more than the lane people try and stick us in. So we talk about everything. But all my books are on Amazon. And I just turned in the manuscript for Lies My Mother Told Me.
1: What book would you start with of yours? And which book would you start with of your mom's?
2: Uh, Of my mom's, I would start with Enter Talking, which was her first autobiography. Absolutely start with that one learn her story. And for me, I would start with Book of Joan, Tales of Mirth, Mischief, and Manipulations. I've read that. It's great. Thank
1: you. I'm such a fan. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. What's your Instagram handle? Uh, Melissa Rivers Official. Uh, and follow her. She's great, you guys. And you're coming back for part two. Yes. Parenthood. We'll talk about Parenthood. We'll talk about parenting. Okay. I need some tips. Yeah. Thank, so thank you for coming
0: Michael. on. Bye. Thanks,
1: Melissa. By the way, do you want to win a copy of my pink cheeky new book that's available on Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, and where all small books are sold? It is called Get the Fuck Out of the Sun. All you have to do to win a signed copy is tell us your favorite part of this episode with Melissa on my latest Instagram at Lauren Bostic. We love hearing from you guys and we love all the feedback. We appreciate you. Make sure you've rated and reviewed the podcast if it's brought you any kind of value. And with that, we'll see you next time.